You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Matthew 6 is where we're going to be this morning. So as you take your Bibles and turn, we're going to stand out of uh, respect of God's Word And in honor of God's word as we read it, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse 19. And uh, read down through the end of the chapter. We're going to, we won't be obviously exhausting this today, but I want to point a few things out from here that I think are good reminders this time of year. Matthew 6, verse 19. It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single... Thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. Verse 25, therefore I say unto you, take, ye th- take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow, sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature and Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I know that's a longer passage to read this morning But it really does make an important point, especially at this time of year. Um, What we're seeking will either bring contentment or it will add to our cares. So what I've titled it today is Full Arms But Empty Heart. Full Arms But Empty Heart. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. I pray that you would help us. God, please help us to see where we are in this process. I pray that you would help us uh, to understand where our vision and focus is so that we can maybe recalibrate where we're looking. Lord, help us today to have the right 
view and focus on where we're supposed to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I know, I mean, I'm going to start with a pretty shocking statement today, and that is this. Christmas is coming. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but it's coming. We're a week and a half away, and in case you need to get in the spirit, go drive on West 41st around Louise for a while, and that will bring some Christmas cheer. It's amazing how much pressure builds the closer we get, isn't it? For some, the pressure is to find the right gift and and to find the exact thing that someone is looking for. For others, the pressure is to start shopping. Well, you have about a week and a half. So, you know, either way, it's pretty easy to get caught up in the expectation that this time of year is about the stuff that we're buying. And, And I don't want to simplify it. I know we all would say, well, that's not what it's about. That's not the Christmas spirit. But as, we, as the closer we get to Christmas, the closer we get to this time of year, uh, the more it really does become about that. The more it does become about what we're acquiring or what we're finding or what we're buying or what we're wrapping. And as I was considering this season, along with what I've been preaching about contentment, which is ex- extremely necessary, not just this time of year, but all the time in our culture, we need to hear about true contentment. I started looking up some statistics about how much stuff we already have. And it's pretty amazing and maybe even alarming. I I have to say it's surprising the facts about how much the average American owns. And I know this isn't isn't for everyone and there's some high and some low. But the first thing I read when when looking up these facts is that there are 300,000 items in the average American home. 300,000 items. And you say, well, that can't be right. I don't think we have, we have that much in our house. But let me just ask you this question. Do your kids have Legos? <laughs> because I have proven it's statistically possible to step on 100,000 Legos as you make your way through the family room in the dark. You know, we say, well, there's no way there's 300,000 items in the average home. But you can look it up. That's the statistic. Don't look it up right now. But you can look it up later. That's the statistic. You know, the size of the average American home has tripled over the last 50 years. Some of you, uh, with a little seasoning, you look back at your childhood home and consider the average size of the homes back then to the size of homes today. And you see, well, it's kind of hard to argue with that. And yet, even though we have triple the size of the average home, according to the New York Times, one out of every 10 American rents off-site storage. It's the fastest growing segment of the commercial real estate industry over the past 40 years. And all at the same time, while that's happening, while 25% of people with two-car garages don't have room to park cars inside them, and only 32% have room for one vehicle. See some wives nudging husbands right now. The United States has around 50,000 storage facilities. I think most of them are going around up in our neighborhood here. But that's more than five times the number of Starbucks. Currently, storage facilities, it's in storage facilities, it's physically possible that every American could stand all at the same time under the total canopy of self-storage roofing in our country. In England, British research shows that the average 10-year-old 
owns 238 toys, but plays with, on average, 12 of them daily. Around 3% of the world's children live in the United States, but American children own 40% of the world's toys. The average American family spends $1,700 on clothes annually, which seems low to me, while the average American throws away 65 pounds of clothing annually. Nearly half of American households don't save any money, but our homes have more television sets than people, which are on, by the way, more than a third of the day in the average home. Americans spend more on jewelry and watches and shoes, around $100 billion, than they do on higher education. This one's not surprising either, but 93% of teenage girls rank shopping as their favorite pastime. Just above selfies. Okay, um, (laughs) women will spend more than eight years of their lives shopping. That seems low as well, so. (laughs) My wife, no, no. Filter. Over the course of our lifetime, we'll spend a total of over 3,600 hours or 153 days searching for misplaced items. The research found that we lose up to nine items every day or 198,000 in a lifetime. And some of you, this, you can relate to the phone being lost, the keys being missing, the sunglasses going missing, um, the paperwork. Onto, those are the things that top the list. In short, here's, here, in short, we will likely lose more items in our lifetime than some people will ever have. The average American adult will spend roughly $18,000 a year on non-essential goods. In other words, uh, items they don't need. The $8 billion home organization industry has more than doubled since 2000, growing at a rate of 10% a year. You know, I don't have to spend much time, and I'm not going to, but... I don't have to spend much time convincing you that our lives, I'm going to call it, our lives are cluttered. Our lives are cluttered, not just with the stuff that we have, but all the things that we're doing. We have much more stuff than we need and we we know what to do with. And I'm not, though, be careful, I'm not here to say that the more stuff you have, the less godly you are. I don't believe that the problem lies primarily with the stuff itself. That's not the issue. I believe the larger issue is that the more stuff we have, the more likely we are to lose focus on the things that matter the most. G. Campbell Morgan said this, The thing which matters is not so much the possession of the treasure as the effect the possession of the treasure will have upon us. I hope you caught that. It's not the possession itself. It is our tendency to make the possessions too important, to elevate them to a place they don't deserve. And Jesus Christ deals with this idea here in Matthew 6. And again, I will in no way exhaust the boundless eternal truths found in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. We could spend an entire series on this passage. But I just want to touch on a few points this morning then make a simple point today. The foundational idea here in Matthew 6 at this point is how God's people view our material things. At odds, in our lives as Christians, there's always this conflict between the material, the things that we can hold, and the the spiritual, the things that matter the most in eternity. There's a constant conflict, and it's obviously a problem for us in that we are supposed to be spiritually minded, but we live in bodies. 
We are supposed to be spiritually minded. We are supposed to mind heavenly things. The things of God are supposed to be the most important to us, but we live in a material body. I live in a physical body, and all around me, everywhere, every day, are material things. It's all around us. Simply put, but similar to what G. Campbell Morgan said, our problem is not the presence of material things in our lives. Our problem is the priority of material things in our hearts. Let me say that again. Our problem is not the presence of material things in our lives. Our problem is the priority of material things in our hearts. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's not condemning the stuff. He's condemning a wrong view of the stuff. If we get to the place in in which we elevate the clutter to a source of contentment, and we think, well, I will find what I need in the clutter, and we elevate this to the point where we're looking to the clutter to find contentment, we will find ourselves with arms full but but hearts empty. Look at verse 19 again. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What Jesus Christ is warning us against accumulating or gathering all the stuff we can, because everything that we can hold, and I know I've said this already, but everything that we can hold is temporary. Anything that you can hold or touch, we don't get to keep it forever. And yet people, countless person after person after person, lives their lives working to amass this large stockpile of the things that they can't ever fit into a casket. Anything you can hold, anything that you can touch, anything that you can purchase, it's all short term. But Christ is saying that if we will live our lives to invest in things that matter to God and the things that matter in eternity, we will have treasure forever. So there are things that we can invest in that last into eternity. You think about this, people live forever somewhere. So investing in people's lives, investing in people's eternity will matter in eternity. It is treasure that lasts. God's work will endure forever. There are things that you can give yourself to that will cause treasure that you get to keep. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures that last by investing in eternal things. And I'm I'm not going to get down to all the details of all that that can mean today. I want to give you a bigger principle and then you can apply it however you need to. But according to verse 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, our hearts will follow our treasures. Meaning, the most, whatever we value the most will have an effect on our hearts. And a lot of people think that our problem, and when it comes to sin, our problem does lie with our hearts or in our hearts. But what Jesus Christ is saying here is that our hearts will follow what we view as the most important. If I think that the material things, the things that I can hold, the clutter, if I give myself to that, then my heart will be bound up in that treasure. But if I view the things of God, in my mind I view the things of God and eternity as being the most important, then that's where my heart will be. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, 
thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? You say, well, I don't know that I see the connection between treasures and now we're talking about eyesight. Well, there is a connection, and this is where we start to get into the point that I'd like to make this morning. When he says the light of the body is the eye, when he says light, he's talking about a lamp or a candle. Back then, they obviously did not have electricity, so they would have used a candle to see in those days. When it got dark, they would light a fire. Without electricity, they would have used a flame. And in the same way that a candle would help a person to see, the eye helps us to see and understand and read and walk and do what we're supposed to. And the eye can either be bright or it can be darkened. In other words, it can be clear and open or it can be covered up. We can either see things clearly or we can see nothing at all. That's what he's saying. He says, if therefore thine eye be single, in verse 22. Now, single means simple or whole. In other words, there's no mixture. It's doing, basically, this means the eye is doing its one job. It's helping you to see there's nothing covering up. There's nothing making it blurry where it's having to peek through. It says, if therefore thine eye be single or simple or whole, it's doing its one job. The spiritual application then is if you have the right perspective on treasure... Your entire life will be lived correctly. If you have the right view on what matters the most, then your life will follow and be correct. And he starts to build on that thought. So keep that thought in your mind as we go through. If therefore, he says in verse 22, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So if your eye is doing its job, if your eyes are working properly, then your life will be lived with clarity. If your eyes are seeing what they're supposed to, supposed to see, then you will have clarity. If your eyes work properly, you can see. You can read. You can understand. You can walk without tripping. Jesus Christ is saying that our view of treasure, or what we value the most, will affect how we live our whole lives. What I value will show up in the way that I live. What I value, if it's the right things, it will show up in my commitment level to this church. If what I value, if I value eternal things, it will show up in the way that I deal with other people or the way that I live my life or the words that I use or the things that I watch or the people that I hang out with. The, the, what I value, what I see as most important will show up in the way that I live my life. But the truth goes both ways. Seeing clearly helps us to live life properly. But if I see not clearly, it affects me negatively. He says in verse 23, If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Now, when he says the word evil, he's not just referring to the word sin, although it could include the word sin. Um, it, do, it means something broader than that. The word evil can include sorrow. It can include affliction. It can mean calamity. It can mean fault. If our view of the stuff is what he's saying, if our view of the stuff is faulty, it hurts our spiritual lives. If, if the eye doesn't see clearly, the entire body deals with the effects. If a person views the material things in life as being the most important, then they are like a person that is walking in darkness. They are at risk with every step. 
It's like a child, and this has happened with our children as they, as they are first learning to walk or as they're younger. You know, they're, they'll be walking, but they'll be looking backwards while they walk. And so when they slam into a door or they hit the corner of a table, well, there's no wonder because they're not looking at where they're walking. If they're walking, and I've seen my kids do this, they'll walk around with their eyes closed and just, just, just try to make their way around the house. Well, no wonder they fall down the stairs because they can't see. And that's what Jesus Christ is saying. If your eye is not single, if it's not doing its job, then you are at risk. Your whole body, your whole life is at risk if you can't see clearly. So when he says, if your eye is faulty, if your eye is evil, then you're not seeing clearly your perspective on treasure or what you value is off. It will affect every part of your life. If you don't view the things of God as being important, then his house won't be important. If you don't view uh, the souls of men living in eternity in heaven forever, if you don't view that as being important, then you'll let souls pass you by everywhere you go and you won't even once stop and think about where they will end up. If you don't view the work of God as being the most important thing, then when it comes, church member, then when it comes to you giving to God's work to see it continue so that souls can be reached and God's kingdom can be advanced, when it comes to giving of your finances, you won't view it as important because you don't view God's work as being the most important thing. You see how your view of things affects your whole life. As a result, the life of a person who doesn't see treasure clearly lives in darkness. Their life is out of order. And I want to illustrate this this morning uh, in a certain way. You have, we have what we call two different kinds of vision. We have central vision and we have peripheral vision. Okay, so this may get a little bit, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe a little bit muddy here, but I want you to pay attention. Central vision is what we currently are focusing on. Central vision is what our eyes are focused and locked in on right then. Our central vision is, is what allows us to drive. It, has allowed us to, it allows us to read. It allows us to focus. It allows us to see details sharply. But our central vision only covers about three degrees of our entire visual field. So think about that. Uh, if you have... You've got two eyes, and if your eyes are functioning normally, then you have approximately 180 degrees of a visual field here. You know, from this side to this side, if you're looking straight ahead. But, but that doesn't mean that you can focus on all of it at once. Really, you've only got one thing you can focus on. It's about three degrees right in the center of your visual field, and it's called central vision. But for today's purposes, I'm going to call it priority vision. That which is most important is what you are focusing on in the moment. It's your priority vision. Now, everything else in our field of vision is our peripheral vision. Peripheral vision is what allows you to see objects around you. If you're looking straight ahead with your eyes, you can still see objects around you. You know that you're there. You can see them without turning your head or moving your eyes. Try it. Okay, just pick a spot. Hey, I don't want this to be weird, but pick that microphone right there. And just look at that microphone. What you're looking at, it, when you focus on that one spot, now I'm in everyone's way and you can't see. When you focus on that one spot, that's the 3% of your visual field. 
Now, everything else, now be consciously aware of everything else that you can see right now. I've got over on my right, I've got the piano, I've got the organ. I can see about as far uh, to my right as straight beyond me. I can see about as far to my left as straight to my left. But I'm focusing on that one spot. That spot, that microphone is my priority vision. Every single other thing in my vision is part of my peripheral vision. Everything that's not the priority vision is in my peripheral. I'm not focusing on it. So I want to maybe use this, an illustration, uh, to just kind of help us to see this. Priority vision is when I'm locked in on one thing. Brother Mike Steen, would you please stand and just stand right here in the middle of the center of the aisle. Everyone look back. Just get it out of the way. Look at him. Okay, there you go. Right now, I'm focused on Mike Steen. I'm looking right on, I mean, not to be weird or anything. I can't focus on his whole face, so I'm, lo- I'm just looking at his nose, okay? It is weird, but I, that's the only spot I can look at. You know, as, as, as small as he is compared to the whole room, I can't even focus on his whole face, right? I'm focused on one spot, one spot of Mike, Mike Steen right there. Now, over here on this side, Brother Gabe, would you mind standing up where you are? So... I'm focused on Mike Steen. He's my priority vision. He's right in the middle. He's what I'm focusing on. But I can still see Gabe over here to my left. I still see him. I'm not looking at him right now, but I can tell he's got a blue shirt on. I can't make out anything else in this moment, but I can see that in my peripheral. If we got somebody over here, uh, Brother Roy Everett, would you mind standing up for me? Okay. Now, I can see Brother Roy barely. He's way off over my peripheral. But I'm focused on Mike Steen. My priority vision is right in front of me. But I can, in my my peripheral vision, see these other two men standing there. Do you understand how that works? When you're focused on the microphone, that's how it worked for you. Now, I'm going to have you guys probably stand up here in another minute. But you can sit for now. So that's, that's how it works with our priority versus our peripheral vision. And what, what Jesus Christ is explaining is pointing to this. He uses our spiritual lives with this idea. See, priority vision in Jesus Christ's mind, priority vision are treasures in heaven. Priority vision are eternal investments. These are the things, folks, the priority vision of our life is supposed to be, according to what Jesus Christ says, they are things that are connected to God. They are the things that matter in eternity. These are the things that last These are the deposits, the investments that we make in our time, in our effort, in our energy and finances that impact eternity. Your priority vision, if you're a child of God, your priority vision should include those things that are related to God. Things like the time that you spend on your relationship with him. The time that you spend telling others about him. The time and effort that you invest in serving God through your local church like Eastside Baptist Church. The financial investments, and I'm not just up here talking about tithe this morning because it's something I always bring up. I'm saying he's talking about treasures. He's talking about where we invest our treasures. And if the things of God are important to you, you should have no problem obeying his command to give 10%. Your financial investments that you make in a church like this one or in missions or in, in ways to help other ministries through Eastside Baptist Church to succeed. That, these are the things that matter to God. 
These are the things that those around us might even look at us and say, boy, you're a fool. You're wasting your money and you're wasting your time to make a difference in what way? Well, if we have the right view or the right priority vision, then it's not a waste because we're trying to make a difference in eternity. Jesus Christ tells us, if our focus is on, and priority is on the eternal things, then we will have a sense of contentment that goes beyond what we hold in our hands. Let me show you this. The contrast here is that our hands may not be full, but our hearts will be. A life focused on Jesus Christ will enjoy inward contentment. You will find that as long as he remains your priority vision, as long as he remains your single focus, as long as you continue to build a relationship with him, then, and then you grow and love him, and you have a deeper relationship, and then you desire to do his will, and you desire to please him, as, you, as he remains your priority vision and your focus, along the way there's a process that we start to benefit from, and he reveals this later on in the chapter by using a certain phrase over and over. Verses 25 through 31, he uses a phrase over and over. Here's the phrase. He says, either take thought or take no thought. It means to be anxious. To, be, to take thought means to be troubled with cares. So let's look at how he uses this in verse 25, and then we'll make the connection. It says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat and drink, or your body, what ye shall put on. So what he's saying is, don't be troubled down with the care of the basic needs of your life. Don't be anxious, don't be troubled with that care. Verse 27, which of you by taking thought... He says, which of you, by being burdened down, can make yourself bigger, make yourself taller? As much as I wanted to growing up, I always wanted just to be six feet tall. That's it. Just six feet, please. But you know what? All the care and the troubled care that I had as a kid growing up to want to be six feet, even though um, I was genetically predisposed never to be, it didn't add any a cubit to my stature. It didn't change anything about me. Even though I was troubled down with that care and I wanted it and I thought about it, it didn't actually affect anything. And he says, which of you by taking thought or being troubled with care can add a cubit? Verse 28, he says, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies. Why are you worried about the basics? Verse 31, he says, therefore take no thought. Don't be anxious, don't be troubled down with care when you say what shall we eat or drink or how shall we be clothed? You say, well, I don't see the connection. Well, we'll start to. See, why should we take no thought? Well, verse 32 says, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. So what he's saying is, if you will keep your priority focus, if you'll keep your priority vision on the things that are supposed to be the focus and the most important things in your life, all of those other things that generally are cares, all of those other things that generally trouble most people, if you will have your priority vision on the things that matter the most, you have a Heavenly Father that takes care of all of those things. And that's why he says, so just seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You just keep looking where you're supposed to be looking. Keep your priority vision where it's supposed to be. And as you seek first God's kingdom, all of those other things, all of those cares all of the anxiety, all the things that you generally would worry about, I'll take care of them. See, most people worry about things that when we're focused where we're supposed to be, 
they don't concern us. See, in a peripheral vision, in our peripheral vision are all the other things. It's all the clutter. Brother Gabe and Brother Roy, could you stand up again? In our peripheral vision is all the clutter. It's the things that are less important than, Brother Mike, if you would stand there again. In our peripheral vision are all the things that are less important than the things of Christ. They're all the things that, now I'm not saying that, that Brother Roy and Brother Gabe aren't important. Because they are important. But anything that's not Jesus Christ is secondary. So even though Brother Roy, he may represent my family, and as important as my family is, and as much as I should focus on and give attention to and take care of them and provide for them, they are still in the peripheral. Meaning they're not Jesus Christ. And I, know, I don't want to sound strange to you because I know how important family is, but if Jesus Christ is not first in my life, I can't provide for my family like I'm supposed to. And Brother Gabe may represent all, the, all the, the clutter, maybe the things that I want to earn or the things that I want to possess or the things that I want to build or establish. And I'm not saying it's not important. You should do your job the best you can. You should work the hardest that you can. I'm not saying it's not important. But listen, my focus, my priority vision is that right there. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. Everything else is in the peripheral. If you make, Please remain standing. I might use you again. If I don't, forgive me for making you stand so long. See, what happens is, what happens is, if I'm not looking there, that is where I find my true contentment. When I seek first the kingdom of God, all the other things are added and I get everything from, from God that he promises. But as soon as I turn my head to something else, as soon as I turn my head and lose, my, lose focus on what is there, which is contentment. And I look over here now. Brother Keith Walk, would you please stand up? And now I've looked at a peripheral over in this area. What I have done is traded contentment for cares. See, what Jesus Christ is saying, as long as you seek first my kingdom and you don't kind of look to the right or to the left at all the other stuff, then you'll have contentment. But as soon as you start looking, you're th you're, now you're suddenly taking, no, you're taking thought. You're thinking, how am I going to provide for this? How am I going to have my needs met? And I look over here, Brother Roger Watson, would you stand up? And rather than looking all the way over here at this peripheral, I'm like, well, I'm not too far away from where my priority vision, I'm just looking at this peripheral right here. It's really not too far out of focus, but still, it's not where I'm supposed to be looking. And what I do is every time I look away from my priority vision, then I am trading the contentment I can only find right there. And when I do this, now I'm piling cares onto my life. Because, listen, and here's why. You say, I don't understand the connection. No, as I look at Jesus Christ, and Brother Mike, I'm not saying that he is. He simply represents Jesus Christ. As I look at Jesus Christ and I keep my focus there, then I'm reminded constantly of how big he is. I'm reminded constantly of how strong he is. I'm reminded constantly of his grace. I'm reminded constantly of his mercy. I'm continuously reminded that he can provide for my every need. 
He remains the biggest thing in my life. And therefore, when I think about all the cares, and I think about all the other things that could come my way, as long as I'm looking at him and remembering just how great he is, then everything else seems small. And even the peripherals that seem to loom large, all the voices in my life, they don't look nearly as big because my focus is on the greatest part of my life. The one who can provide for my every need. And the one who can give me all the grace I could ever want. The one who every morning gives me new mercies. The one who is the great healer that when I have problems that I can't take care of, he's there to help me. But here's the problem. As soon as I look at a different peripheral, as soon as I lose my priority vision, now I am looking at a peripheral. And this peripheral, maybe this peripheral is my bank account. Brother Keith, you represent money today, okay? So I'm looking at my bank account. And you know what? As I look there, I'm thinking that will provide some contentment for me. That'll give me what I need. But what I've done is trade contentment for care. Because that's just a peripheral. And as important as money is, money can't help me where I need most help. My spiritual life, my problems, my sin... The things that I deal with every day, the lack of peace, the inner turmoil that I may have, the answer to some problem that I don't know the answer to. Money may look good in the moment, but in the end when I compare it to all the troubles of life, it's not so big. And that's why if we lose our priority vision and go to the peripherals, then suddenly all the cares of life seem large. Because compared to the peripherals, they are. But compared to the priority, they're not. You can be seated. Thank you, men. And I hope that you'll understand, I hope you get that today. When we keep a view of God, when we look at Jesus Christ as he's supposed to be in our lives, as we keep our eternal priority focus on him, all the stuff, all the clutter that we find ourselves uh, wanting, it seems small. But when I lose sight of him and look somewhere else, suddenly it looks big. And here's why, because the stuff can't provide my greatest needs. The stuff, it can't heal a disease. The stuff cannot provide peace when I'm afraid. The stuff, it, it, it can't make us content when I'm in turmoil. Compared to Christ, our needs are small. So viewing him keeps them in perspective. But when my focus shifts to something else, suddenly my needs seem big. In the end, can a bigger bank account comfort us when we lose someone we love? Can a nicer car help me to overcome my loneliness? Can more stuff under the tree this time of year truly give me the peace that are my family in our family that we desperately long for? Can more possessions and success and money and power and notoriety even touch the pain that we feel as a result of sin before God? Not a chance. When you lose sight of what matters the most, you trade contentment for cares. You are guaranteeing the loss of eternal contentment for the gain of temporary pleasures. And as we wrap this up, I want to consider two truths about eyesight that are also true about spiritual vision. Write these down if you need to, but true truths about eyesight 
that are also true about spiritual vision. First, we can only focus on one priority. See, pick a spot. We already did. Pick a spot, focus on it. That's your priority vision. Now, what I want you to do, so focus on this spot. Focus on the microphone now. Without moving your eyes, pick something else in your peripheral vision and focus on it. So look at the microphone, focus on that. Now, without moving your eyes, focus on something else in the room that you can see in your peripheral vision and focus on that. How successful are you at doing that? It's impossible. It's impossible to focus on two things at once. The word priority in its very definition means the most important. It is impossible to focus on two places at once. And the same is true spiritually. And you say, well, I don't believe that. I think I can have multiple focuses, except that Jesus Christ disputes that claim in verse 24 when he says, no man can serve two masters. What he's saying is, you can only have one priority. You can only have one most important. It is impossible to live for two competing priorities. You can only have one. And yet, here's the problem. Many of God's people are doing that very thing. See, they say their focus is on Jesus Christ. And they're looking, they're living focused on that. But, but really, if you look at their lives, they're really more focused on a, a promotion at work. They're really more focused on a bigger house or a nicer car or a better vacation or their retirement fund or a new relationship or maybe new prominence or power at work. They're, they say they're focused on Jesus Christ, but their life would say something different. And to them, we would say no man can serve two masters. It is impossible to focus in two places at once. They're exchanging. And here's, the, here's where it comes, falls apart. When we focus on the peripherals instead of our priority vision. We are trading all that our priority vision, which is God, we're trading all that he offers for all that a bank account offers. See, God is limitless. There's no situation in our life he can't help us in. But a bank account, it only solves a few of my problems. A better job doesn't solve all of my spiritual problems. A new relationship doesn't change my true contentment. All the things that I can find in Jesus Christ, I trade when I lose sight of him and focus somewhere else. So having a a priority that is other than Jesus Christ in the peripherals means I exchange contentment and peace and provision and guidance and comfort and forgiveness of sin for diversion distraction, temporary pleasures, maybe even some physical comfort, but no spiritual contentment, which truly brings more value to my life. So that's the first, is that you can only focus on one priority. The second is this. The majority of what we see is in the peripheral. The majority of what we see is in the peripheral. Think about it. If three degrees of your is your primary vision, if that's your priority vision, if three degrees is all that you can focus on at one time, then if we have 180 degrees in our visual field, then that means 177 degrees is all in the peripheral, which is about 98%. Folks, most of what you see is in the peripheral. 
Only a very small part of your field of vision can be called priority vision. And that's true in your spiritual life as well. See, most of what calls for our attention is peripheral. Anything that is not Christ is secondary. And because of that, many live their lives. They give most of their time and their energy and their attention and their effort and their finances and their strongest emotions. They're giving to all the things in the peripheral when really only 3% deserves that. If you give your life to the peripherals, all you'll have to show is, is a heart troubled with the cares of life. Remember, our problem is not the presence of the peripherals in our lives. It's the priority of the peripherals in our hearts. To choose priority vision over peripheral vision is to choose contentment over cares. That's what's at stake today, folks. You say, well, what do I really have to lose? All the troubled cares of life. What do I really have to gain? Well, no, not, not much, just inward contentment for eternity. Which one do you prefer? Which one do you want? Which one are you chasing or looking at? How do I, you say, well, how do I know what I'm living for? Well, let me ask you a few questions. What do you wake up thinking about? What do you desire to have the most? What do you spend most of your time worrying about? What makes you the happiest? What makes you the angriest? What do you spend the most time doing? What do you allow to prevent you from serving God? Where do you turn when you have a need? These are questions that if you would answer them honestly, they would likely reveal if you have priority or peripheral vision. Priority is Jesus Christ. Eternal things. Peripherals are anything you can hold. Anything not attached to the work of God or anything you can lose. Anything that will not exist in eternity. Anything that you'll never see after you die. Or anything that can't bring you true contentment. Folks, God is eternal. When we focus on Him, we're continuously reminded of who He is. And therefore, we continuously recognize there's nothing he can't give us. There's nothing he can't provide. But when I lose sight of him and I start looking other places, I start asking questions like, who's going to take care of this? What am, what am I going to do? Where do I go for help? Where do I find my peace? Who's going to heal this pain? Because in the peripherals, you'll never find those answers. There, those are real questions. And there's one real answer. His name is Jesus Christ. If you want true contentment, it's time to refocus your view on treasure that lasts. It's time to, what's the catch word, the buzzword today? It's time to declutter. And, and if you have to call somebody, if you've got a house with too much stuff, you call somebody in and they organize it and they love it, hate it, throw it in the right pile. Well, it's time to declutter some spiritual lives today. Some of our lives are so wrapped up in all the things that we see, we've lost our priority vision. But we have some lives in here that have, have never found the priority vision. Listen, you're, you've been looking for true contentment in your life in all the other places. But you've never looked to Jesus. And yet he's the only one who can deal with your greatest problem, which is sin. He died on a cross to die for your sins. 
And today you've brought a burden in here and you've been looking everywhere. I'm telling you, he died for your sins and he can give you eternal life today. If you would simply come and look to him, Jesus Christ, to solve your problem, you will find contentment in the least likely place you could ever look in a person that lived on this earth about 2,000 years ago. And all the people are saying, well, you know, have your retirement ready. This is the kind of house you need if you want to be happy. This is the kind of vehicle with these kind of features you need. Or, you know, this is the new product for this, this time of year. You want to buy this and put this under the tree. And you've looked everywhere and you've never found it. Well, the answer is found in Jesus Christ. And you can have it today if you would humble yourself and at invitation step forward. We have somebody that could show you how to be saved today. You can find the contentment you've been wanting your whole life. Don't trade permanent contentment in an eternal God for the painful cares of temporary peripherals. If you do, you'll find yourselves with arms full, but hearts empty. If you've come with an empty heart, it's time to look to Jesus. He's the only one that can fill it. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.